0: everyone. And welcome back to Bavarian Podcast Works here for another episode of our flagship show. This is Tom Adams. And today on what is a fairly decent Sunday afternoon, at least for myself, I am joined once again by BPW and BFW's the one the only I need no name, who once again is halfway, or I should say longer than that, uh, much greater distance all the way across the globe. In, how are you doing today on what is still Sunday, I think, for you? Might it yeah, be it Monday is, already? it's
1: just, just barely still Sunday. So I'm doing just about fine. I mean, it's Sunday, but I have some very serious exams coming up in two weeks, and I'm starting to feel the crunch a little. And also, I had like two weddings to go to today. It's Indian wedding season. People who know, they know. <laughs> oh, man. Um, anyway, and also, it's the international break, which, you know, it's just we hate that so
0: much. I was just about to say your mood must be very elevated since you have exams coming up and we've been in an international break snapping some good momentum for Bayern Munich. Uh, I thought you maybe would have gotten up on some video games, but it sounds like you've actually been a busy yeah, man I,
1: I, I did play a little bit of Elden Ring, but like uh, I've almost finished the game and I don't want to play anymore right before my exams. So I, I have to cut it down a little. Also, my mood is down again because the IPL has started. And let me just tell you the team I support Kolkata got the night riders. They might've won, but uh, it's not a pleasant thing to watch. Okay. It's not, it's not nice to watch them. So I, I don't, I'm not happy and I just hope buying comes back soon.
0: Well, there is light at the end of the tunnel. I know, We had a Germany friendly. We have another one coming up, but uh, we'll be sat here by this time next weekend. And we'll be talking about some Bayern Munich action against SC Freiburg. But until then, and I mean, we still have some things to cover. I mean, we saw some different things in this 2-0 friendly win from Germany uh, in Hoffenheim over Israel. We saw Hansi Flick experiment with the starting lineup just a little bit. We saw Kai Havertz act very well as what seemed to be pretty much a number nine as he does for Chelsea as well at times since Romelu Kaku has not been getting a lot of minutes and Timo Werner again oh, I... I tweeted this it seems like he has a knack for scoring like an easy goal or like a tap-in after he's already had a bunch of misses and everyone starts to get on his case uh, and then Chuck appears out of nowhere in our Slack channel <laughs> to basically celebrate the goal and go crazy uh, but in just a few takeaways I know we got uh, some different looks. We saw Julian Weigel back in the starting lineup. Davin Rahm in the starting lineup. Your favorite defender Thilo Kehrer back in the lineup. Mainz's Anton Stach, who I butchered his name in our last podcast episode. Uh, he came on in the second half. A lot of guys uh, got got first looks. I think there was a few other caps, if I'm not mistaken, first caps for some guys. Schlotterbeck, I believe that was his first start. So, in just what did you see? You know, what were some of your takeaways from this friendly? I know it's kind of a dead rubber match, but nonetheless. There were still a lot yeah to look so
1: at. thing is um the friendly i mean it was dead rubber like israel barely even attacked They didn't even do anything for 90 minutes so it was kind of boring but i'll tell you what was interesting it was germany's setup because it's like germany did not play like a hansi flick Bayern. they played like nagelsmann's system like if you notice it was a back three, like it was the asymmetrical back four or pseudo back three that we've gotten used to. You had David Round just going straight up the pitch, like Alfonso Davies does for us, and he was basically like a winger. I, I mean, I didn't really see David Round doing any kind of defending. And on the other end, you had Tilo Kerr as the right back staying completely behind, didn't go forward at all. You had Julian Droster going to the right was it i yes it's yeah, difficult to say way. it's difficult to say because the front four was so fluid like sometimes he yeah. saw as you said sometimes habits was like the number nine sometimes he was like on the right wing sometimes he was on the left wing and then there was jamal muziada who was sometimes playing like the thomas smaller role sometimes he was in midfield sometimes yeah so there was a lot of stuff going on I think in terms of takeaways we can say that Timo Werner's finishing is still diabolical <laughs> like even the goal he scored <laughs> like if VAR if we had VAR I think it might have been ruled out so yeah, it might have been a hair yeah, offside just a hair and you know how it goes with Timo whenever if it can be offside it's going to be so yeah so he he got lucky there a little bit but Thomas Muller unlucky uh hit the post i was very sad about that but i'll tell you this my dog uh his name is also muller i asked him during lunchtime on saturday do you think muller's gonna score tonight and he he said no he didn't actually say no he normally like he, if he says yes he, he nods his head and if he says no, he puts his head down. So he put his head down. And I knew, okay, Muller's not going to score. And then when he got the penalty, I'm like, is Muller going to be wrong? And no, he wasn't wrong. My dog is a prophet. Uh, that does not mean I'm going to make a habit of asking him these things because I'd rather not know. But that that is the thing that we saw with Israel this game is that Germany didn't play under any kind of pressure. So everyone just got to do what they wanted to do. Gundogan, he was good. Like, um, Weigel Weigel played that deep-lying Playmaker role that has been vacated By Kroos and he did Okay I guess like nothing exceptional Nothing bad either just Okay passable as far as I'm Concerned and Schlotterbeck um, this is important For both Bayern and Dortmund fans because Schlotterbeck was good for 90 minutes and then In the 92nd minute he made a mistake that Gave him away the penalty yeah so yeah. It's hard to evaluate that mistake But as Hansi said a mistake like that in the World Cup can cost you a game, whereas the rest of the game, he was excellent. So what do you make of that?
0: Yeah, exactly. And just kind of piggyback on some of that, it seemed, you know, I made this comment, it looked like, at least in my estimation, obviously, you could kind of tell, as you mentioned earlier, Israel really offered nothing going forward. I mean, Munas Debor tried what he could, he had that one aerial duel that he went for uh, up with, I think, Tilo Kerr, where he kind of bonked his head awkwardly off of the turf. And you know, it's questionable. He had to get assessed by Israel's uh, physios, but we mentioned how kind of fluid that front four was. I thought Musiala did exceptionally well in tight spaces, as we've come to expect from what we all know, what he can do at Bayern. Excellent exchanges with Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, uh, Julian Droxler. To me, he looked in the beginning like he was kind of off the pace and the communication and the understanding perhaps wasn't quite there, but this is a guy who honestly doesn't play that much for PSG and you know, hasn't really got that much of a solid look in recently uh, in the German setup. So I I think it took a few minutes for that to sort of click. And as you mentioned, David Rahm, he just looked like, I I know when I was doing the tweets in the first half, I I had a lot of appreciation and a lot of praise for him. But he, as you mentioned, all kinds of freedom on that left flank, got in all kinds of crosses. I think it was even him who sent in the corner uh, for a Kai Havertz's goal, if I recall correctly, an in-swinger from the right where he had come over to take. But there were just countless times he got to the byline effortlessly, was able to cross from different positions, just really had his way. And I know, obviously, with Israel being the opponent, it's not exactly uh, something that you can use as a great barometer for if he's going to have that same success against a stronger opponent, which it will be coming up in the form of the Netherlands in just a few days here. In But I was very impressed with him, and I really would like to see him continue to get looks. I know that, interestingly enough, it was the defense that didn't get changed. Right, we saw Tilo Carrer, Jonathan Taw, and Nico Schlotterbeck finish this match as the back three, and uh, a little bit of a, a shape shift when a lot of guys came on in the second half. But still, uh, that that foundation uh, of that shape that we had started with with the back three, as you mentioned earlier. But in, I, I just want to pose this question to you. I know we already have rattled off a lot of guys we thought played really well. You know, Havertz, Musiala, uh, Werner in stages, but yes, he should have probably scored many more goals than just one. But Considering, like, do you think there is anything to Hansi not making any changes defensively as far as those three guys I just mentioned? Because, like, who do you, because, like, in your mind right now, who do you see as the solidified, you know, back line, so to speak, if we have to get on so, the plane next week and go to Qatar?
1: So the thing is that um, the only reason I think that uh, Hansi went with this lineup is because, first of all, is Israel. He had. Like it's a friendly, if this were, for example, a qualifier game, uh, he wouldn't have gone with this back line. As we saw what yeah. can happen with Italy, like if you don't go all out. So yeah. what I should say is that I think Nikola Zula and Antonio Rudiger are definitely going to be the starters at Qatar, okay? So just lock that down. I don't think anyone else is displacing them from their lineup. And mm-hmm. it's very telling that Matt Samuels is fit but did not get called up. Right. So I don't think Howells is anywhere near Hansi's, you know, Hansi's setup right now and it's going to take a lot for him to get back in. Marco Royce, I think he's injured, but even if he's not injured, I feel like, you know, the Dortmund players themselves, Marco Royce, Julian Brandt and Mats Hummels, they are not very near the starting 11 at the moment because like, as far as Qatar is concerned, I'd like to see David Ram continue getting chances because, as far as I can tell, he's looking better than Gosens ever did, and he actually looks good in a back four type of setup. I mean, it's not a full back four like we so, saw, but it's similar enough to back four that we used to. And I don't understand what's going on with the back, uh, with the right back spot because yeah. Riedel Baku he didn't get called up again, and instead we have carer playing there carer who does not even get a minute for psg and you also have the other option being Jonas hoffman who is injured right now so he didn't get called up but if he wasn't injured he would have been there but Jonas hoffman again it's not even like a right back to begin with he's a right midfielder so i want to ask hansi what what is wrong with widel baku because whenever i watch him for Wolfsburg. He, he's good, like, despite the fact that Wolfsburg have been terrible all season. So, I don't know what's going on there. It's a, like a personal thing. And it also reminds me that Bine were in for Baku at some point in the past before he went to Wolfsburg, and someone at the club vetoed it. And I'm trying to figure out if if that was a Hansi flick decision or not, because it's starting to look like Hansi might not like Baku all that much.
0: Yeah, that right back spot, it really is such a mystery. I know when Joachim Love was still in charge. At the euros you know we kind of went back to that old routine of using joshua Kimmich there but i think hansi flick given his experience with bayern munich is reluctant to do that and wants to keep him in the midfield i know with germany it's kind of the almost the same issue as we have at bayern munich where it's just like you know a rolls-royce in attack and then just still kind of cagey at defense and we have our defensive frailties but you know julian Nagelsmann has continuously chosen to go with that lineup where he starts pretty much all of the attackers at once and then doesn't have much left on the bench to bring on in that option. But yeah, in my mind, I'm kind of looking at this and I'm just like, you know, we've used Lucas Klosterman before uh, at right back in different phases for qualifying campaigns. So out of Schlatterbeck, Ta or Tilo Kerr, do you think either of those three guys are playing for a spot like in a starting lineup?
1: I think Schlatterbeck and Schlatterbeck is pretty much locked in for... uh, Like, if he keeps up his performances with Freiburg and wherever he ends up going this summer, because we are pretty much certain that he's going to move from Freiburg this summer, Um, whether it's Bayern or Dortmund or someone else, they're going to snatch him up. And I think Schlotterbeck, as long as he keeps up these performances at the club level, he's going to get in on the bench, whereas Nikola Zula and Antonio Rudiger are going to start the right back spot is is like a confusing one everyone keeps getting chances Hanzi seems to really love tito Kerr for some reason i keep i keep making the joke that it's because he made the mistake that led to kingsley coman's goal in the champions league final but <laughs> what what else explanation can you give like tito carer is not a great footballer like he's not that good and there are so many better players at some point you even have to ask why not just use Muziala um, Goretzka pivot and then put Kimmich at right back and that's a legitimate question i think Hansi will have to ask himself as the Qatar World Cup gets nearer but for now as far as this international break is concerned i think we'll see this backline continue and i think Hansi will try and explore his options more that's where I think the Netherlands game comes in because the Netherlands game, we will be seeing the Bayern players start because Hansi decided Israel game, no Bayern players, no Neuer, no Muller, mm-hmm. yeah, no Granabri, no Sane. Gnabry is actually sick, so he did not travel. No Kemik, which, as we know, because he didn't travel either, no Goretzka, because he's still recovering, but at least Sane, Muller, Maziala, Neuer. Those guys, I think they will start against the Netherlands. And that's going to be the litmus test, in my opinion, Like,
0: Oh, of course. That's going to be a much better test. And as you mentioned, I think a lot of us are expecting we're definitely going to see uh, far more close to what would probably be a starting 11 in our first group stays match in Qatar, uh, whoever that will be against. I actually believe the draw is is coming up I think it's this coming Friday at the time we're recording. Actually, if I recall correctly, I remember hearing that the draw is that early. Minutes.
1: Like most of the teams haven't yeah. qualified yet.
0: I know. Um, wait, is it? I want to say it's Friday. It may be a week from Friday, but I'm pretty sure it is. Um, yeah, I want to say it definitely is because I'm pretty sure even Concacaf finishes up very soon. And you know, at, at the time we're recording. Very, very much so. Canada, Mexico, USA could all qualify tonight if, you know, they take would care be of business. Nice. And if Canada also gets would there, in man. the
1: same group as Germany, I want to see fun. They play against fine teammates.
0: <laughs> that very much would be very interesting. But as you said, in, I think we're going to see uh, more Bayern guys. Uh, stronger starting 11 to a Netherlands side that beat Denmark 4-2 just a few days ago. And they yeah. pretty much went with a, a pretty much full strength starting 11 too. Another thing from that match, it was nice to see Christian Eriksen play for Denmark again and score. I think he scored Denmark's second goal, if I recall correctly. He got a big starvation yeah. for that. So, you know, the human side of everyone loved to see that. It's I think that was the first time he's been with the Danish national team uh, since he went into cardiac yeah. arrest at the Euros. Yep. Uh, so that was very good to see, but this is going to be, as you said, a, a, the litmus test and a much different test than Israel. And I think we're going to get a way better look at where we're kind of positioned going into uh, Qatar this winter um, and who might be uh, on the fritz of either making that plane or not making up making the plane, sorry, uh, barring any injuries, which knock on wood. I know Germany and Bayern does not have, they both don't have great luck when it comes to the injury gods, but a lot can happen between now and the end of the season. But in just, just to kind of preview this, I know we kind of already mentioned personnel who we think are going to be in it, but what do you think? I mean, we've had some fiery affairs with the Netherlands in the past and qualifying for the Euros, you know, a 3 2 win come from behind. We've had a loss against them. I played poorly against them in the Nations League after the World Cup in Russia, but what are your expectations for this game? What do yeah, you think? Yeah, so
1: games? since Louis yeah, Van Hal is back at the Netherlands, so you have two former Bayern coaches going against each other. That's pretty interesting, in my opinion. And, um, the guy who discovered Thomas Muller versus the guy who made Thomas Muller his main man. And I like that. I like that as a personally, as a Muller fan, I like I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to definitely stay up and watch in terms of what I expect from a tactical perspective. Van Hal, uh, what kind of lineup did they use? Because was it a back three or was it like a normal? Yeah, it was kind of like
0: they have been using or they had used several matches at the Euros the back 3 so Delict uh van Dyke, and then Nathan Ake, I think started uh and then Denzel okay. Dumfries and Daley Blind as kind of like wing backs um uh, so, like we saw Dumfries at the Euros kind of So bomb that from, might uh, explain
1: that why Hansi Flick went with a back 3 against Israel because one of the established methods to stop back 3 is to mirror it so we might see another yeah. back 3 we might just see another back 3 against the asymmetrical back three against the Netherlands again, and in terms of attack, I think the attack will be important because we will have Thomas Muller starting from the beginning. And if Thomas Muller, Leroy Sané, Timo Werner, and Kai Havertz are all on the pitch, like that's that's just, that's just goals guaranteed, right? Like, h- yeah. how can they not score? I know Van Dijk is there and he's he's great. I I know that. You don't have to tell me about Tom, but <laughs> of like, but like. Like, how can you not score with that kind of interplay and that kind of just like we we talk about Timo Werner's issues with finishing, but he's so good with his interplay with Kai Havertz and with Jamal Musiala, as we saw. And if those guys play, if Thomas Muller was also added to the setup, which he wasn't there with against another, sorry, against Israel until like the 70th minute or something. So if he's added to that, I think. There is no way that Netherlands can keep a clean shade unless Germany has some horrendous, horrendous like fine versus Real Madrid level finishing. Like, and in terms of what I wanna see, I just I just want to put this out there. I really need to see um Hakai Havertz as a number nine, this as a solid, fully fledged number nine, not not in any of these hybrid roles that we saw against Israel. It's a full number nine status and with Thomas Muller behind him. Timo Werner can be the left forward, left inside forward, or whatever kind of system he wants to be in. Or you can have Leroy Sané there, Timo Werner on the right, who knows. But Kai Havertz put him at number nine and Thomas Muller behind him. I want to see that. And maybe even a midfielder, Muziala and someone else. It's it's interesting because I don't think Muziala and Gundogan is going to be a solid midfield. Like, I don't think they can really hold their own. So that might be something Hansi will have to change.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I'll be curious to see what he does with that. Uh, And I'll be curious to see if he chooses to start Julian Weigel again, Uh, because for all intents and purposes, as far as I'm concerned, he is a bit more of a holding midfielder, Um, which I can't say I watch a lot of Benfica, although I'll have to do a lot of scouting as uh, Liverpool face him in the Champions League next to them. Obviously, if did, we did if Weigl
1: play against Bayern this season, I don't remember him at all. Uh,
0: I feel like
1: he might think, have, unless it's been the uh, Bayern versus Benfica games. Do you remember
0: seeing him? Do you remember any highlights from him? I, I feel like I vaguely do, but I can't remember if he was hurt back then. Most of in my memory, most of uh, what I'm remembering from Benfica is the, the Portuguese guy with kind of like the flowy hair. Had done really well against. Uh, all Barcelona I remember from Benfica is
1: Nicholas Otamendi being such such an ass. Like, oh, no, I just, <laughs> oh, I just, oh said, yeah, I used to dislike yeah, him. He when was he played so so annoying, so annoying to play against. He he's constantly fouling Louis, and that's all I remember. I don't remember seeing Weigel at all, and oh, seeing so him. all did halter. he did a
0: full ninety yeah. in the uh, okay the four nil that we won in oh. October? He did a full. Well, 90. that's
1: that's not a. I, 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 there's nothing to yeah, really not exactly voting well like for we, him that we don't remember apparently Benfica are having one of their worst seasons in their history like in their recent history and they somehow are in the Champions League quarterfinals. so oh, it's it's hard to say like what's going on with them oh, and,
0: and and then he was an unused sub the second time we played them interestingly an enough, unused sub 5-2 wow weird
1: okay yeah. That's that's that makes it even weirder. Like, there are these guys that Hanzi has called up that like you struggle to justify it. Like, at least Weigel he offers something different, he offers what Kroos used to offer, but again, he doesn't play in the top five league, and at least he's playing regularly in the Champions League that that he can give for him. But on the other hand, you have guys like Ta, you have Tilo Kerr, as I've said before, and I'm gonna keep saying why is he getting called up same thing goes to union tracks the barely pays for psg when he plays he's nothing exceptional so why did why do these guys keep getting called up aren't there anyone isn't there anyone else you can call up is the german talent pool really that sparse
0: maybe with uh care and it's one of those situations where when he knows these international breaks are coming up he fires off a uh, WhatsApp message to hansi flick and you know oliver bierhoff and the guys at the dfb it says hey if case you haven't noticed, I haven't been playing that much for PSG, so I'm nice and fresh to come in and do a number for D-Bot yeah, Shop. Sure. So just give me a call, yeah, sure. Sure meanwhile Meanwhile, I'll be, I'll be rested, energized. Yeah.
1: It's not like we have any <laughs> Champions for League quarterfinals to play.
0: So. Ooh, Ooh. A good <laughs> opportunity to burn PSG, which I, I I must admit, I'm surprised I have not done that yet. Uh, But yeah, it is. Uh, especially thing. as a Bayern fan, good to see. Yeah,
1: it's. We need it. It's just weird to call up any of these PSG guys. Like, first of all, they're not even a good team to begin with. Like their defense is horrible and their attack is okay, I guess. Like even with Messi and Neymar and Mbappe, like it's all okay. And even then, Drexler and Carrer, they can't get any minutes. So what does that what does that say about them? And we also yeah. know that League One is like probably in terms of just sheer quality, the weakest of the top five weeks. And when you factor all that in, like, you just have to wonder what, what is going on in Hansi's head? Like, does he want these guys really to just play themselves into form? Is he like, is is it that thing that Joachim Lo used to do where he would call up players that he likes and try to give them a platform from the national team to help them in their club careers? Or is it something else? I don't know. And, um, I I really can't I, I I can't even speculate at this point. It's like it's yeah, it's weird. That,
0: uh, yeah, that discrepancy where you have of yeah. some national team managers, where it's like I don't know if legacy would be the word, but they they pick players sometimes based off of merit and legacy just because they've always been around the national team yeah. setup, regardless of if they're doing well or poorly or not playing at all, really. Quite frankly, yeah, for exactly. Their clubs, you know, when you definitely have to balance, you know, your your veteran players, players that are in form at that time going into a tournament or international break qualifiers whatever it may be but um that's you know that's why the international managers get paid. and for that being bus. said like difficult decisions
1: i mean it's not like hansi is afraid to drop anyone i mean hummels has been dropped basically like uh that's that's basically what you have to call it today he's not performing so he is no longer part of the squad but if Hummels doesn't get in why is draxler getting in and, like there's so much talent in those positions for germany like Maybe it's just because, and maybe in this particular international break, it's just because like is out So you just need someone else to make up the numbers. But you have yeah, guys filling like the seats, so yeah, filling this, <laughs> filling, making up the bodies. But it's just like if this is any indication of how Hansi Flick wanted his transfers to be at Bayern Munich, then I am kind of glad that Brazil never really said yes to him because, like, come on, these are not. Like, this is, these are not good choices. Like, aside from the Bayern players and the obvious Chelsea players, Hanzi isn't really uncovering any uncut gems or anything. He's just calling up who he pretty much should. Nothing, nothing spectacular there.
0: Right. Well, you know, we do have a lot of time between now and when he has to make that finalized roster for Qatar. Uh, and we'll see if we get some different looks and, and how we perform and what the takeaways will be for that friendly against the Netherlands, which is Tuesday uh 2:45 yeah. Eastern Standard Time I think uh, everyone like, else in the world in addition to the US uh, springs the clock forwards, finally you know it's it's always that odd period where we do it before everybody else so I think we'll yeah, back on we back Yeah we don't American
1: have schedule. it at all in
0: India so <laughs> they're actually I think trying to pass legislation to just do away with daylight yeah. savings time so here in the US it might be I don't know how you would feel about this and or what it's like where you I'm live happy but- with it. I feel, like, I, just, I feel like I wouldn't mind if the sun didn't come up until 9 a.m. Just as long as it's out until seven or eight, you know, when we're out of work and we can actually go out and enjoy it. I don't really much care if, it, you know, there's nothing like a good sunrise. Don't get me wrong, not to be romantic here, but, uh, you know, on the five day work week, I feel like no one would really care if it was dark still until like nine or 10 a.m. here. And then the sun finally came out. I don't know how you feel about that.
1: Well, it gets dark at like five o'clock here, five or six o'clock in at the evening so it doesn't matter to me at all but anyway so <laughs> let's 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 change gears a little and yeah, this is something that we, time. <laughs> yeah let's let's change gears a little and since our last topic we were talking about like how flick would have made transfers to set up on munich let's talk about transfers a little because yes yeah there's some yeah, there's, there's quite one a lot big of noise story. there's one big story right now which is the fact that buying have matched barcelona's offer for Ajax is Nusser and Matsraoui. And according to Build, there is a feeling around the club that like, even though Barcelona have him as a top target and it was reported in Spanish sources that Barcelona have basically done the deal, it feels like he could still make the choice to switch to Bayern and something to do with Mino Raiola and lots of stuff. But that's, that's a different story. For now, let me ask you this, Tom. What do you think about the money being offered to... New matsravi It's around five million per year net, which is around ten million uh, gross, like ten million euros a year. So, what do you think about that? Like, do you think it's worth it? Do you are you concerned? Do you think we should go for someone else?
0: So, objectively, taking the Bayern hat off, I don't think it's that much money. But putting that Bayern hat back on knowing the financial setbacks that we've been dealing with and how tight we've been with finances when it comes to transfers and getting new deals negotiated new contracts negotiated for our own players and key players at that I think it's a little steep but I also think it's a positive signal from our front office to everybody else and to other clubs that will be interested in the same transfer targets that we are that we're serious about replacing Nicolas Sula and we're here uh, we're here to play hard uh, play ball so to speak and we're not afraid to you know put in serious bids for players that really we really want and for players that really are considering joining us and like us more than any other club so in this case barcelona um it doesn't necessarily help that they've been in pretty good form since xavi has taken charge but um I, I think that our front office is prepared to offer a good plan for him just as they've done for uh his teammate at ix ryan gravenberg so um i think for what it's worth we're making the right move and it's worth it and we'll see if it pans out because goal number one in addition to getting Lewandowski, thomas muller uh, and manuel neuer renewed and signing new deals would be replacing Nicolas sula 100 percent.
1: yeah that's fair enough but uh, there is one thing that you did neglect to mention which is the fact that well you did allude to it because it looks like we are starting to get into bed with these super agents because <laughs> matserawi's agent is mino raiola who is also the agent for ryan gravenberge and Buying are bidding very aggressively for Gravenbush right now. The what is it? We have bid fifteen million plus ten million in variables, and IX is still holding out for something like thirty million, which is a lot of money. But like that, that is something that we seem to be doing for Ryola. Like as far as I know, like from an IX perspective, they have said. As far as I've read on sites like Reddit and stuff, like don't take this as gospel. But it seems like raiola promised Ajax that he would not let um leave for free, which is why he is trying to get him out of Ajax right now. And his contract expires next season, I mean next year. And bind is the main bidder. Like there are other teams bidding, but Bind seems to be making the first bid and Knowing us, we are rarely the ones to make the first bid on a player. And it looks like this seems like a favor to Raiola and something that we might be doing more and more often. Because as you know, we have some bad blood with super agents like Zahavi. Zahavi, yeah. oh man, we can't get even we can't even get into a room with Louis because our bosses hate Zahavi so much. And there was that <laughs> fiasco with David Alabas contract extension, which also left a lot of bad blood between them. And I don't know, like maybe this is the new, what should I say, strategy determined by Oliver Kahn and Herbert Heiner. But under Karl-Heinz and early Hernis, I don't remember us ever going after like super agent clients this often. Uh, maybe maybe you can say that the only time we did was back in the Carlo era. If you remember, we bought Renato Sanchez for 30, $35 million. And then yeah. we got James Rodriguez to come to us for a very cut price deal just just a year later. And both of them were represented by Jorge Mendes, who is one of the other big super agents that everyone knows about. So yeah. in terms of super agents, that seems to be the extent of our dealings with them. But now it seems like we are going to get uh, involved with Viola and maybe others going forward. So a bit, bit scary given, given their reputation and our offer to matsurawi as far as i can tell is a four-year contract and not a five-year one so maybe that's going to be something of a contentious point because at the end of his contract he's going to be 28 and again looking for another move probably and Bayern will need to extend with a lot of money if he turns out to be good but that's just the kind of what should i say the kind of risk you run at this stage of at this point, like you just have to bite the bullet and extend these players if they're good enough. And if then not, then you need to go or resell them in some cases.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you, as you just said, it's all about that calculated risk. Um, and I would add to that too. You know, I, I spoke just a few moments ago about our front office sending the positive signals to both our fans and to other clubs who are after uh, similar transfer targets to us. You know, we had Nico Schlatterbeck of SC Freiburg saying recently that he is 100% open to either leaving or staying at the club, depending on what happens. Uh, as we spoke about earlier, when we were discussing Germany's friendly against Israel. He's been having a fantastic season under Christian Streich. I think he scored four goals in the Bundesliga, has been a very, very solid performer in Christian Streich's defense. And Freiburg, I believe right now, sit sitting in fifth place. So a European spot, one outside of Champions League qualification. And uh, we'll get a good look at him next weekend, obviously. Uh, when Bayern traveled to the Black Forest to take out Freiburg. But we are interested in him. Borussia Dortmund are also interested, and likely he would cost probably 25, 30 million euros. His contract, much like uh, Lewandowski, Müller, and Neuer, is set to expire next summer. So this is a crucial point for him as well. And just the mere fact in that we've expressed interest in getting him, I think is another signal, whether it's feasible, realistic, or something we'd actually pull the trigger on that remains to be seen. But I think especially with this Oliver Kahn meeting last month with Nino Raiola kind of threw a lot of us for a loop. Uh, We didn't necessarily know how serious the discussions were based off everything they discussed in Monaco uh, when they were, uh, had that rendezvous. So another, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but do you think that's another positive signal or just kind of a little bit of smoke and mirrors for Bayern? Uh,
1: Some of it might be smoke and mirrors. Like some, I don't know how many of these targets we're going after are actually serious targets. Like Matthias Ginter, for example, we keep hearing from the media that we are interested, but we haven't made a bid. We are reluctant to make a bid. And if you're interested, you're never going to be this reluctant to make a bid, okay? His yeah. contract <laughs> expires. He is; His contract expires this summer. If we want him, he, we can have him as soon as we call, pick up. He, like, he's going to pick up the phone instantly if Bayern calls. And he's confirmed that he has no contact with Bayern so far. So I think that he is basically at the bottom of our list as far as you know, Niklas Zula replacements go. Our top targets right. right now are that right back, which, you know, we have been looking for a right back for over two years now. Like, I mean, we wanted Serginio Dest in the first place and Barca got him. And again, we are in a battle for another Ajax right back with Barcelona. So I hope we win this time. And I hope if if that happens, I think the need for a stool replacement is a lot less urgent, we can move Poirot to the center-back spot and have him as a right-back backup, while we also use Matserawi as our main attacking right-back, which is something that Nagelsmann really wants. Like, both Nagelsman and Flick, if you recall, they have been all but asking for an Alfonso Davies side player on the right-hand side. And I haven't seen much of Matserawi, but based on what people tell me and based on, like, just analyses and stuff that I read online. He's that kind of guy. He's not that super pace kind of player, but he's creative and he can make things happen on the right-hand side. So that's what I hope
0: for. I think I think that that opinion right there that you just shared is pretty consistent with what most Bayern fans would think regarding this situation, especially knowing that it's very unlikely we're really seriously going to splash a lot of cash for a right-back and even potentially a, a Sula replacement because... As the front office has been adamant, we're trying to be tight with finances and you know make up for losses that we've suffered. In. And I think we've discussed a lot today. I think that's a good place to finish. Um, a lot to digest. I know yeah. sometimes it's not as interesting of material because it's an international break, but you know I think this is probably a good place to end it. What do you
1: think? Yeah, it sounds good to me. And it is pretty late here. So I got to go to bed after this.
0: Yes, yeah, so I've got to stop keeping you up <laughs> very late. Yeah. So again, everyone, thank you very much for listening to Bavarian Podcast. Gasworks, the flagship episode with myself and in
1: yeah so remember to like rate and subscribe we are on apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify pretty much anything you can think of remember to follow us on twitter at bavarian and we will see you next time which is probably gonna be the post game part for the sorry the preview part for the fry game so see you then good night